Hello, hello. Welcome to <clears throat> Hometown Daily, the news show. Today we're in our time machine, jumping back to January 19th, 2024, season three, episode 19. Today we're talking about the omnidirectional treadmill that's evolved, life on land, robotic mountain climber, a potato shortage, drop iguanas, time to put Fujitsu in jail. They bet they can bet they can bet poorly. Real life snake game, East Palestine revisited. And this has the ring of hype. That and more. I just realized that the show is not set up properly over on Twitch, but I'll fix it in post. That's fine. Can't do it right now. Um, actually, I can do it right now. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. Doesn't matter. Let's keep moving forward. I am Merwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the sentient AI that keeps me in line and thus hometown in some semblance of order. Because as long as you're kind of the AI is kind of my safety net or Alaskan Airlines um, uh, escape uh, shoot, right? Um, you stop me from losing my shirt when the door blows out. <laughs> Something like that, right? Well, you want to say hi, AI? Good evening, hometown citizens. Pick up that can. I know you don't say it, but it's there in spirit. Yeah, so the, the stream elements message that went out to everybody is that we're doing Reality Hacker, which is yesterday's show. Actually, it's a week ago yesterday's show, if you're talking about <laughs> the time right. machine. Uh, we're in a time machine because uh, Marwat had to... Um, well, had an event. Let's just say somebody had an intimate look at the goings on of Marwat. An audit of sorts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, all's good in Gnome Town. So let's get into today's articles, which are actually in the, from the time machine perspective today. But once we get out of the time machine, we will be doing uh, January 21st. So that's how this works. We want to be transparent. We don't edit the show. Uh, you see and hear how the sausage is made. And it's gross like that. I'm afraid to know what kind of ASMR that was. <laughs> uh, it's sausage making. Right. We're having a sausage party and uh, we're making the news. Well, wait, did I? Sorry, the AI sent me an error message. I'm sorry. Did I? Some, some, uh, some I'm sorry I asked. <laughs> I might be sorry I said. <laughs> Let's get into today's articles. 
First article's over in the Mobile Channel. Meet the Disney Imagineer behind the VR breakthrough. That is Holotile. Not really hip to the name, but its functionality is a... It's a revolutionary evolution to the Omni Treadmill. The Omni Treadmill um, was bands, and it would run just like a regular treadmill and you could walk around and detectors would self-center you. And then this um, innovator, Imagineer, right? Um, has been in Disney for about 25 years, innovating various things like a electromechanical eyes so that they would pivot, but there aren't like armatures inside it. But using magnets would pivot the eyes um and because of the Except precision for like park attractions yeah yeah well and robotics in general um the amazing thing about that that actually when i saw that i instantly was like oh my god this is amazing right i knew that holotile was going to be a step above and the reason why i was so fascinated with the eyes is because they're usually on an armature and they like there's something that pivots right it's uh -huh. like a pin stuck in a ball and then the pin is moved without any um without doing that and just using electromagnetic um mechanisms you can make the eyes more reactive and more realistic looking you could actually make them liquid filled and all of that kind of stuff so that it looks like um more realistic because our eyes uh -huh. aren't just dried out little ping pong balls they're actually liquid filled seal sil um spheres anyway well semi spheres at any rate amazing work i don't know what to say i'm, I'm kind of gushing about this guy well it says the legacy of invention and technology comes out uh, of disney imagineering it is some of the closest we'll get to sci-fi future and two of disney park's most recent incredible projects come from lenny smoot lanny smoot a disney legend who has already patented over 100 inventions he says who's counting 74 of which are at disney i think engineering um so national inventors hall of fame member lanny smoot um, also created the retractable lightsaber for disney's star wars experiences it looks amazing when it unfurls um and just yeah, it looks like it's um uh projected or something because right? it's so it's incredible that it's real yeah you you activate it and it slowly extends out of the handle the the well the lightsaber's handle um and it's seamless <laughs> it doesn't look like a plastic layer you know tick 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 it's just smooth uh, it, it's a work of art. So there's only two people at Disney who have entered the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Walt Disney himself and Lanny Smoot. I mean, that tells you something about the company he's in. Yep. So um, Madame Leota's floating head is one of his inventions. 
Um, you're familiar with his work on that incredible lightsaber he made as real as possible with retractable laser action. And now he's made a very real holodeck inspired uh, invention, which I, I, it's not hollow. It might be holodeck inspired by his acknowledgement, but holodeck in this, um, it's just not really the whatever. I'm just going to back off of this. I, they say we call it the holotile floor. Smoot shared a video released on or by Disney Parks to celebrate his induction into the Inventor, National Inventors Hall of Fame. He's only the second Disney inventor to become a member. The first was Walt Disney. Um, I had already seen a video of this um, before it was aggregated into hometown. Um, Sabina Graves over at gizmodo.com put the article together and they have the, in the video, they have this scene where, uh, the simulacrum of Ray, uh, activates the lightsaber and it slowly descends. The only wonky thing about this is the little tip right there, which if you're listening to the podcast, you're not going to see this, but the video over on YouTube and, and the VOD here on Twitch, it's basically plastic. It's like a little plastic, um, nub at the very end. And I'm like, mm. That's the only thing that is a detractor of it because you wouldn't, the lightsaber wouldn't actually have that, but everything else, it's a seamless line. Just, it's an amazing piece of work, right? Um, so let me see if this actually, I don't know if it's going to break. So there's a video you'll have to look for it on YouTube. I don't think, oh, it is on this. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so Disney Imagineer makes history, um, and it's from Disney parks, new tech revealed and these little tiles down at the bottom, they look like somebody took from this angle. It looks like somebody took a, um, Domino's board and just threw it down on the floor. Yes. And, but you can walk on it and it self centers you and they're remote controlled. So using your hand, somebody else can, you can be standing there or sitting there. And in this video, they talk about it. They do it. They show it. A person can sit there and go like this and you're moving around on these hollow tiles. If you're in VR, you're immersed inside it. And when you're walking, these hollow tiles allow you to walk naturally, just walk. Right in any direction. In any direction. You can stop. It'll recenter you. You don't have to worry about smashing into a railing, even though there's a railing there. Um, I want this, but I don't know if this thing requires four feet of gantry in place because of all of the mechanization underneath it. Um, or if it's basically like that thick and I can put a pad behind me and I can go VR anytime I want to. And if I have to, there's another room in hometown where I will gut it to put a platform like this so I can do whole Would room you tile VR. the whole room, uh, whole with room. this whole room. Uh, <laughs> I will bankrupt hometown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to ask the cost. <laughs> I know uh, it's not even for sale at the moment. So yeah, right. So it, it's an amazing uh, piece of tech. It looks like it's really thin, but I think it's. It looks like almost like a kid's play mat or something. Yeah. Just visually. Yep. Now, one of the things about this is that you can have two or more people, should the mat be big enough, should the tile array be big enough, you can have two people walking in two different directions in the VR world 
or in the scene because this would be perfect for a small room acting center. You could have a studio where projection is on the walls and you're just walking around and you're walking through a town and they can project any town, right? Um, and other things can engage in that scene, but you're never leaving basically an eight by eight space. Which is really great for small theaters and other spaces. Yep. Um, and if you have a studio like, uh, you know, maybe you're a small uh, movie studio or um, you do VR, you can basically just get that little floor and, and put it put it in place and start walking around anywhere. You want to go do a tour of Italy, you grab the, the data from uh, Google Maps where Street View is and you can walk through, you know, Italy. Uh, and, and look at everything that you want to look at wherever there is recording. And there are others that you can take um, like Apple um, high resolution iPhone 15 pro video and import it into a, a like a scene generator and you could walk through your 3D environment from your phone. Um, might take a little bit of work. I don't know of all the ins and outs of that to convert it into something that would be VR accessible, but uh, not off the top of my head right now, but it's an amazing piece of tech nonetheless. Um, and I want this. I don't know if you can run on it. You know, I don't know how responsive it is, but I think this guy is something like 70 plus years old. I don't know his real age. Um, well, I'm a little worried because he's had, I think, well, like he had a hundred inventions or so, but then 70 some were already used with Disney, right? Like who's yeah. behind this person? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, it would create a vacuum inside Disney research. <laughs> no, there's I a mean, lot I'm of brilliant. Sure there people. are others. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of brilliant people in, in Disney. Um, I've always wanted to be an Imagineer, but I'm not passionate about one particular topic. So I've never really, you know, gone down that road and I'm not an engineer, although I play one on TV. I don't play one on TV. Sorry. You might in hometown at times. I play one in hometown. I'm also a, a fake mayor. <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's move on. Unless you want to say something. You want to say anything? No, I don't have anything else. It's an incredible invention. Isn't it? It's amazing. I think it's amazing. So uh, the next article is over in hometown daily life at sea passengers call for criminal investigation into cruise company as they try to claw back $16 million in refunds. Life at sea canceled its three year expedition after failing to secure an appropriate ship. Some passengers. And we did report that on that in a previous episode. Yeah. Back in that. You're going to have to look back at the show notes. Um, yeah. Um, so people gave up their entire homes, invested their life savings, <laughs> quit their jobs, okay. did everything just so that they could PSA, do this. Next time you're going to do a around the world cruise, first thing to check, do they have a ship? Yeah. Do you have a ship? No. Okay. I will wait until you have a ship. Right, I'll come back and pay you after that. <laughs> Look, I'm ready to divest everything and I will buy a, well, it says lifetime life at sea, but it's only three year expedition. Is it really only three years? 
Yeah, and that's interesting based on the conversation we were having before the show. Like giving up everything. About lifetime. Well, yeah. that was, we were talking about like lifetime. Lifetime at sea. Supply of items. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, there was a, a discussion about lifetime supply from a prize. And most of the people that were responding basically were like, oh, it's a year. It's a year. It's a year. It's a year. No, I kept on just closing those links like no, no, no. When the question says lifetime supply, it has to be lifetime, not a year. Come on, get out of here. Bar lowered. Um, anyway, maybe they that, want you to take repetitive cruises. And so you could make this lifetime. Oh, sure. All you have to do is sell a house that you don't have and invest your life savings that you've already spent on this three. Oh, wait, expedition. that you've already lost. Hmm. <laughs> mm, yeah. So a group of passengers who are supposed to go on a three year cruise around the world with life at sea cruises, um, before it was canceled two weeks before it was off it, uh, it was going to depart the, the sentence structure in this really broke my head is now demanding a criminal probe into the customer, uh, the company as customers claim they're desperately trying to claw back $16 million in refunds. Most of that money should have gone to a ship. So what the hell were they doing? Where is that money? Well, that's true. I mean, you'd think the funds would be sitting there because they hadn't procured the ship. Right. Yeah. This is over at uh, business insider Lloyd Lee and Brittany Chang, uh, put the article together. Um, and, and we've talked about this before. So the, the, the new element of this is that they're trying to litigate as a criminal endeavor, which means it's a completely different threshold. They probably had a better chance of, um, a civil action clawing back than criminal because basically everything gets locked down. You don't get your money back until a criminal case is closed. And this could take a decade. <laughs> depending on how good their attorneys are. I mean, hell. I mean, do you think the criminal, well, I don't know. The criminal action might be leveraged to get the refunds, expedite some settlements and some other things. I don't know. Who knows? Right. So the majority of the residents are seniors over 65 collectively. We've been defrauded out of millions of dollars. The letter claim the individual transactions range between tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Murray cruises ultimately didn't purchase a vessel that could accommodate more than a thousand passengers for three years. The company abruptly canceled the trip in November, just two weeks before the maiden voyage and then sailed the high seas, seas of being a millionaire. Well, maybe that's where the millions went, right? They purchased on a superior life at sea cruise, their own deck. Right. They, like they bought they an entire were the floor. passenger. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, hey, look, we got $16 million. So, so for many life at sea cruises initially proposed an alluring offer travel around the world for three years for as low as $40,000. I round up. So it's only $40,000 only, but people sold their houses and, and, and gave up everything so that they could do this knowing, anticipating. So there's a huge amount of cause of action civilly. Now, criminal, I don't know. <laughs> it really depends on, uh, did they intend to defraud? And all they have to do is show a good faith effort that they tried to acquire a ship in a reasonable amount of time. Didn't happen, but they waited too long. So that isn't really criminal so much as you're just a dumbass. 
And now I would But really... it might be criminal if they're just holding their funds and right. right or something like that. Yep. Yep. So Moray is not such a big company to afford to pay forty to fifty million for a ship. Moray Cruises CEO uh, Vedat Urgurlu Ugurlu uh, said in a memo. Right? But then you don't uh, promise. Then why were they doing the life at sea then? Yeah. So they wanted a budget ship where the front will fall off. Um, hey, maybe there's an Alaskan Seaways, like a sea, oh, sea lines, right? Alaskan sea lines where the bulkheads will blow out. I mean, they already have the inflatable slide. Uh, look at that. Your chance of survival has increased by whatever the square meter flotation devices. Um, so management issues also plugged the company's months before the voyage, culminating in Sea at Live and, or sorry, Life at Sea. Wow, I flipped that. And Moray Cruises severing ties in May. Some passengers, including Kimberly Ariza, Arizi, sorry, uh, pulled out of plans in light of the the internal company issues. Arizi, who was one of the first to sign up for the trip, previously told business insider that she received a refund for her $5,000 down payment on the fare. So if you would have gotten out early. Right. She could see that things were not going well. Yeah. And smartly moved out at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. It, well, it seems like management was incompetent, but incompetence isn't criminal unless it rises to the, the, uh, point where they were aware and they didn't take sufficient strides and they pocketed money and defrauded the people by saying, Hey, we're not in trouble. We're, we aren't a big issue, right? We, we've got this. We're going to get a boat ready in two weeks. But I think it's very interesting that the program and the cruise line split ways because I thought the cruise line was, was. behind the program. Yeah. Yep. I thought so too. That was an interesting a bit in this article so yeah it's too bad and they're older people so it, they want to enjoy you know the the prime of their retirement life at sea three years not having to worry about anything except waking up the next day visiting 144 cities around the world and these anyway Unfortunately, well, Adam tells many... some pretty sad stories for some people in here. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go and visit those. Um, you can. Well, uh, I'll mention that one. That person was, they paid early. Then fully. they got diagnosed with cancer and now yeah. they don't have money to pay for basically whatever they need. Well, yeah, unfortunately. That does suck. Best lead plans. So now they need their money, but remember the first question, do you have a ship? Yeah. Hey, I want to do a life at sea three year trip. Do you have a ship? You own the ship. Will you still own the ship in three years? <laughs> <laughs> you got to put all of these. <laughs> right. Like maybe it's leased for like a week. That's not going to cut it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, the next article is over in Technology Today. A wearable robot that makes climbing mountains easier. Let me throw that in the chat for you. There you go. As people age, they gradually lose muscle strength in their arms and legs. Uh, oh, no. 
making it difficult for them to participate in leisure activities such as hiking and traveling. And they often need to rely on assistive devices such as canes, wheelchairs for mobility, or their children to carry them around like a backpack, complaining that they're not moving fast enough. <laughs> Don't worry, no stress. Anybody who might be listening. Anyway, um, however, these devices do not improve muscle strength or uh, so wearable robots that can compensate for the lack of muscle strength are attracting attention as an innovative technology to improve the health and quality of life of the elderly. So this article is over at Tech Explorer, National Research Council of Science and Technology put this article together. And this here is a person who a 65 year old man successfully climbs to the top of Mount uh, Yongbong um, in uh, Ukensen Mountain. Uh, using basically an exosuit um, that powers their hips and legs so that they can walk um, up this. And it's relatively easy. I, I think I saw a stat that it's like a, a eight to one ratio. And so you basically uh, defy gravity um, by That's really cool. walking <laughs> because it becomes, it's a powered um, servo type of suit. And as long as you keep the same cadence and the batteries don't drain, then you walk more effortlessly. Even if you have limited mobility, you still have to have some ability to cause it to uh, perform a function. Some muscle strength, I'm sure. Balance and, and be able to activate the service. So Dr. Lee Jong-won of the Intelligent Robotics Research Center at the Korea Institute of Science and Technology, or KIST, um, has developed a wearable robot moonwalk Omni, which means, uh, quote, to actively support leg strength in any direction, Omni direction, to help um, walk like walking on the moon. Oh, that's interesting that I said the the eight to one ratio. Um, mm -hmm. So, and it, that it reverses, basically reverses gravity because there's very little gravity on the moon. Um, so a senior citizen successfully completed a, a wearable robot challenge to climb to the top of Mount Yongbong. They spelled it wrong up here or down here. So up in the caption, it says Y-O-N-G-B-O-N-G. -O -O and down at the bottom, it says Y-E-O-N-G-B-O-N-G. -O -O anyway, it's 604 meters above sea level and it's in Korea. So this is what it looks like. You basically strap in and off you run. And, and these That's are the servos cool. um, and they're essentially always under tension so that when you're walking, it's highly reactive instead of having to spin up like a turbo. Um, they're uh, balancing um, actively your mechanics, your kinetics. Uh, I love this stuff. Um, they're actually one of the things that I've always wanted was to, to make a football game. Um, I even referred to it as armor ball, um, which was basically a smaller field like football, but you're in full on armor. And the objective is to enhance power armor um, for either tactical operations or for any other operation that requires um, enhanced mobility, enhanced capability of a human, um, where you get the fidelity of a human um, you know, the, the gamut of operations and, and cognitive abilities and, but I can lift a car 
or I can move a mountain essentially um, because the power suit has been enhanced iteration after iteration um, and it's fun. So you make a whole bunch of, I, this is my ambition that it makes a whole bunch of money and supports the research and development of power armor. Um, so <clears throat> various types of wearable robots have been developed in the past, but due to their heavy weight and large volume, they have limited uh, rehabilitation process of patients in hospitals with simple indoor environments. Yeah. You can't really do that. Um, so yeah, just kind of walking up this hill. An elderly, I think this is really amazing. Oh, go ahead. You know, um, an elderly participant in the challenge said, quote, I thought I would have to give up mountain climbing, which I enjoyed since I was young, but I feel 10 to 20 years younger after climbing the mountain comfortably with this wearable robot. Okay, so that's also good, right? Because it's like quality of life. It might incentivize more exercise because if it's too painful, people can't or won't exercise. So, I mean, yeah. this seems like it's going to have benefits way beyond the immediate. The other thing is, um, be sure to check out the um, January 20th reality hacker because we talk about a retina. It seems like as we start to see all of these um, together, yep. we're really making leaps and bounds. Yep. It's pretty neat. So they say through the convergence of ultra lightweight, high power wearable robot drive technology and personalized artificial intelligence strength support technology, it is expected to be widely used in the field of daily assistance, rehab and exercise for the elderly who lack muscle strength due to aging. So you'll be able to still exercise and you can, as time goes on, as your muscles build back up, through rehab um, or through if you're elderly and you your muscles are atrophying because you're not using them successfully you know broad spectrum you can use this to get you up and moving where you're not suffering but then you can dial back as you build up muscle mass um, and range of motion etc um, i think it's brilliant and increases quality of life like you were talking about um, yeah i love this stuff okay uh, we need to keep going the time machine warms up and uh, we don't want it to be stuck in uh, January 19th. Here we go. Next article is over in hometown daily. Uh, Pennsylvania could face a potato shortage. I said P-A-T-A-T-O because Pennsylvania is P-A here in the States. If you don't know about that, um, not a big deal, but I thought it was a uh, uh, witty. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, so we've seen shortages of pretty much everything recently, but I don't think we've seen potatoes yet. Yeah, bacterial species found in Pennsylvania potato fields named P. actinidae has not previously been seen in the U.S. So go Pennsylvania, which was also the source of those Asian beetles that are uh, out here wreaking havoc across uh, all well, of the also East those Coast. Crocodiles running around in the rivers. Oh my gosh, what mutual of Omaha's wild Pennsylvania for crying out loud. But hey, number one, Pennsylvania, number one. So the articles over at newsweek.com. Um, I'm not quite sure why they have an, a video. They couldn't find anything else over at Newsweek. It's just five reasons potatoes are healthy for you. I'm sure if you want a whole shit ton of carbs. Um, so, but they're delicious. Don't get me wrong. Jess Thompson over Thompson, no P Thompson. 
my brain throws a P in there every time. Thompson. I think um, that's a much more common name. Yeah, I think so. Um, so Jess Thompson over at Newsweek.com put the article together. It says your favorite potato chip might be at risk as new potato diseases have been identified in Pennsylvania. They were detected in potatoes across 26 fields in Pennsylvania, according to new research published in the system, Systematic and Applied Microbiology. Uh, sorry. So um, if these diseases were to spread across the state and cause crops to fail, it could be disastrous. Pennsylvania is the home of several chip companies, including Martin's, Uts, and Snyder's of Hanover. So basically the, the three major brands in the United States. Oof. Exactly. I mean, this could be, I mean, I don't know what Americans are going to do if they lose potato chips. Yeah, this is pretty bad. Outbreaks of potato blackleg and soft rot caused by pectobacterium species. And more recently, uh, what decay um, species across the, that just sounds bad. It like it decays. The, right. Decay. Yeah. I wonder if it was named that intentionally or somebody has a very unfortunate last name, um, across the U S mid Atlantic region have caused yield loss due to poor emergence as well as losses from stem and tuber rot, the authors wrote in the paper. So it's basically a multifold uh, collapse of the potato. Uh, I mean, this starts to like smack of the uh, Irish potato famine. Exactly. I wonder if they actually make any mention of this. Um, They've got to because I think that's the most well-known. I just checked that. That's actually late blight that caused that but i don't know if that relates in any way to this right um so the researchers found that 456 bacterial samples collected from the fields there were six species of pectobacterium and one strain of decaea that had not been previously seen in pennsylvania and even one pectobacterium species never before seen in the u.s oof i won't go through all the names but basically potatoes rotting from the inside um, comes after Maine saw a smaller crop this year, harvesting 700 million fewer pounds of potatoes than in 2022. <sighs> the era of cheap food, even potatoes, is over. It still rings. Gonna, gonna have to make a shirt of that. Um, let's see. Yeah, they don't really say much uh, more about this, but you can take a look at it. Um, over in the in the show notes, just follow the link. It's been associated. It looks with a, like. Go ahead. Oh, it looks like another strain is in Europe, but it hasn't hit the U.S. yet. Yep. So I think really the problem here is that this is imported in. This didn't come. This isn't didn't evolve here in the states. It came from somewhere. Um, just like those those. Uh, black spotted red beetle the lantern flies lantern flies yeah yeah, yeah. um which i tried to delete one that was on the the uh um the mayoral mansion and that thing leapt straight at me as my leg was coming up at like right at my head and i'm like i think i made a squeak and the dog started barking Anyway, maybe a dolphin or, yeah, I think a dolphin responded. Maybe that's why they're so hardy. 
beach right, themselves. Right, they can stand up to anything, including humans. Yeah. Big guy like marijuana. Afraid of little lantern flies. Uh, the next article is over in Hometown Daily. Winter weather warning of falling iguanas issued for Florida. Again, we're in a time machine back to January 19th. Iguanas were freezing. They can get so cold in the winter that they enter a state of torpor, losing their grip on the trees and falling, much like Marwat losing his grip on reality. I was thinking much like the person losing their grip when an iguana falls on them and they freak out. Yep, got to be careful of drop iguanas. They're just chilling, though. The blast of Arctic air that has plunged most of the United States into freezing temperatures may bring another strange risk to Florida. Iguanas falling from the sky. They're falling from trees. Come on. Falling iguanas possible this weekend in southwest Florida as the coldest air of the season moves in Sunday morning. We have a pretty sizable iguana population from the Cenable to Cape Coral to Naples. Matt Devitt, the chief meteorologist at Wink News. When we tell you the news, we do it with a wink and a smile. <laughs> I hope that's their slogan. Um, anyway, in Southwest Florida, posted on the website formerly known as Twitter, because X can bite me, on Thursday, that the 18th, not the 19th, not, not a couple of days ago. Anyway, Locally, lows will dip into the 40s, wind chills into the 30s by sunrise. Meanwhile, there are people that are in negative 20 up in Chicago. <laughs> Drop iguanas. They would shatter. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. They wouldn't, they wouldn't just be in torpor. They would be popsicles. Devitt noted that iguanas begin to fall from trees around 45 degrees and below. That's literally cold-blooded. In periods of intense cold, iguanas living in the trees may fall to the ground, appearing as if they had simply died and dropped to earth. However, the iguanas are usually in a state of cold-driven torpor. Look at that. Imagine that thing dropping on you. Boo! I don't think most people would react well. Yeah, they might wake back up once they hit the ground. And if they don't, well, they might shuffle off this mortal coil. But in the words of an iguana that I once met, don't worry, we'll make more. Let's keep going. Oh, before I do that, let me throw it into the chat. Let's go. So this next article is over in The Word in Law, Fujitsu bugs that sent innocent people to prison were known from the start. Now, yeah, I think is, this is an update from a previous article we did. This is an update. Um, pretty in, in short order, actually. Fujitsu software that helped send innocent postal employees to prison in the UK were known right from the very start of deployment. A Fujitsu executive told a public inquiry today. That's again, I think the 18th or 19th um, of January. <clears throat> um, all the bugs and errors have been known at one level or not, whatever that means, for many, many years, right from the very start of deployment of the system, there were bugs and errors and defects which were well known to all. The article is over at Ars Technica. John Brodkin is the author. The deck statement says software bugs were hidden from lawyers of wrongly convicted UK postal workers. 
anybody who was involved in this should go to jail. Agreed. I mean, there's so many layers of issues here. Yep. So this is Paul. There's a picture of Paul Peterson, co-CEO of Fujitsu's European division, testifies for a public inquiry in London on January 19th, 2024. If that was the statement from Paul Patterson, Paul Patterson needs to go to jail um, because they knew about it from the start. So it right, goes and back, then they saw people go into jail based on this, right? right like even right. if they didn't know anything that led up to that, at that point they probably knew, hey, we have a problem here. Right. Yep. Um, so it says some innocent people went to prison while others were forced to make payments to the UK post office to cover the postal shortfalls um, because basically the software from Fujitsu um, would have had mathematical flaws in it that led to people having short drawers, <laughs> which sounds funny when I say that, but it's not funny. <laughs> it does, because but it's not a funny topic. I know. 900 sub postmasters and po postmistresses. I think sub post people um, who were accused of theft or fraud when the software wrongly made it appear that money was missing from their branches. You know, I don't know. I'm kind of thinking if there's something that say every location is having somebody arrested for mm -hmm. fraud. Mm -hmm. Who is was the investigator? Possibly gonna, right. Exactly. Like is somebody going to go, Hey, wait a second. Something's a little off here. So, uh, again, 900 people, only 93 convictions have been overturned, and thousands of people are still waiting for compensation settlements. During the prosecutions, courts hearing cases against postal employees were not told of 29 bugs identified as early as 1999 in the system it built. 1999 is when it was installed. They knew from the very oh, wow. beginning. So a Financial Times article said that the public inquiry heard in December last year that the post office's lawyers had rewritten Fujitsu's witness statements. Now, those lawyers should be going to jail. And losing their law licenses. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they also said that the Which post office... Which I guess office, you're not going to be practicing if you're in jail, but anyway. You could be a jailhouse attorney. Uh, they used uh, prosecution powers available to private corporations in the UK, obtained 700 of the 900 convictions. The other convictions came as in cases brought by Scottish prosecutors. The scandal may lead to reforms of the private prosecution system that lets organizations take people to court. And nobody... For criminal actions, it should be the state. No business... It's bullshit. That shouldn't be taking place. So they knew about the bugs all the way back to 1999 that led to this. It wasn't that, oh, well, they're just a bunch of bugs that didn't have any impact on it. They knew that the bugs were resulting in these flaws. If you have so many that you are sitting there being able to prosecute 900 people, for Christ's sake, what is going on? Who exactly this is criminal negligence, but it's not the 900 people. It's Fujitsu. It's the attorneys. It's the installers who saw the errors and didn't do anything. It's uh, uh, forensic investigators who were trying to track down the bugs. Anybody who, Hey, why didn't Joe show up for work? Oh, he was criminally prosecuted for a short drawer and thrown in jail. And then you hear that same thing 900 times. 
kind of makes and you at wonder. what point do you go hmm, something's happening here and i hope i mean they cannot get time back for all these people of course they they better look at this and rethink the system because i didn't know about this private prosecution piece yeah and there is an element of that here in the states by the way um that it can leverage law enforcement that's a business <coughs> i can't remember the name right now it's been a long time since um uh, anybody in my circles have discussed it but there is a software business alliance I think that's the name of it, where they can leverage law enforcement for criminal prosecution. They can actually, at least this is what I've been told historically, and and uh, it's been so long since I heard it that I, I, I may it may not actually exist. You know, it's like a um, peeing in the pool will follow you around kind of a thing. You know, a myth, an urban myth that right, keeps right. people at bay. Anyway, um, so this is just disgusting from end to end i i'm shocked that it lasted this long 16 years worth of prosecutions me too and i am really surprised though that we saw this follow-up as fast as we did because we had just included the other article probably within the last week so really what was the full range uh i mean is this still ongoing because well, they don't have the people pardoned or, I mean, there's people probably still in prison. And then there's some really dark stuff that they mentioned at the bottom because, of course, other things happened because of this. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I'll have to look. Maybe we can bring it up again at another time, but I'm sure we'll hear about this. I think Fujitsu should go to jail. Oh, maybe they should be taken down i mean this is they should be debarred like from wide scale like conspiracy yeah they should be debarred from doing federal work you know government work just punt them so no more government contracting because you can't get your shit together fujitsu okay at least not in the uk and then you have to open source all of your stuff so that everybody else can look inside make sure that you haven't wet the bed it's just disgusting and I can't soapbox. Uh, so the next article is over in rounders gear. Uh, this one is a fun one because it's basically a big oops. Um, so a couple attempts world record for betting at the most casinos. Again, it's world record for the most casinos gambled at in a 24 hour period is 74 in 22.5 hours. This was set by Kimo Ayun and Gary Meyer on October 19th, 2017. Nothing says gambling addiction, like trying to break a world record. Right. Um, so on October 4th, 2023, John and Christina Mahaffey um, took on that record. It was a fitting way to celebrate their 21st wedding anniversary. The Las Vegas podcasters reasoned. Oh, wow. Really dipping into the pool. Um, since it meant their marriage was old enough to gamble. Ha <laughs> ha. So we gave ourselves seven and a half minutes to spend inside each casino. Christina told casino.org's uh, Scott Robin on the new uh, episode of Vital Vegas podcast. This is more marketing than anything. Even if they did wet the bed, um, they still got a pump for Vital Vegas podcast uh, because we were so familiar with the properties. There were some we were in and out of in less than three minutes. So after and hitting, they did rehearsals. That's interesting. Oh, wow. 
like a timer so that they knew go right it almost go. makes me think of like an ocean's 11 or something but obviously different yeah, uh, kind of a budget uh, version of it yeah so casino.org is the source of this Corey levitan is the author of this and um it says no more bets after hitting a bunch of casinos west of the strip they circled back to circa uh, placing their final bet at 1.15 p.m. the following day, a little over 20 hours later. They had visited 93 casinos, smashing the previous record by a head spinning 19 casinos, or so they thought. There was a hitch, which they discovered only after contacting Guinness with their receipts in hand as evidence. The couple only played machines, and that wasn't uh, Guinness good enough. Their standards required table gameplay for it to be considered. Ah, Yoon and Myers Guinness World Record would stand. So there's more to this. Um, and if you want to challenge it, then good luck. Um, be sure to read the fine print of the Guinness World Record. But that is a lot of table play in that period of time. Because you can't just go up and like pull a lever on a machine. Yeah, table play means that the table has to be available and you have to be able to sit down make a bet and bow out you know right even if you you would have to have somebody following you around with chips for that casino so that you can just play it i don't know if you have to switch to different casino denominations i don't remember it's been forever since i went to vegas um, but you could probably just do a cash buy-in immediately plop down five bucks play and get out even if you win or lose you just go it's a tip go you know now if right. you crush it and you win big <laughs> Well, five bucks. You're not going to win big. You know, I mean, it could be a Unless you pick like a roulette number or something. Oh, right. I keep thinking it's going to be a card game, but they just want table I mean, game. I don't know what it is, but yeah. It could be anything. You'd have to find the ones that's super fast. No delay. You have some weenie sitting there kind of hemming and hawing about 21. You know, blackjack. Ugh. Right, and you're like, I don't have time. <laughs> Trying to get a world record Just here. Get up and smack them. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article, uh, the uh, time machine is starting to overheat. Uh, it's starting to redline. So the uh, next article is over in Technology Today. Novel snake-like robot 3D prints its own body to grow longer. Um, a trio of soft robotics researchers at. Fondazione Instituto Italiano di Tecnologia in Italy, working with a colleague from the University of Montpellier in France, or Montpellier. I'll put the hard R in there. Hard Montpellier. Um, America. Uh, has, um, oh, I thought it was pirate. <laughs> oh, pirate. Sure. Um, has developed a unique type of robot that 3, 3D prints its own body as a means to grow longer. Um, I've tried this, and I can't Never mind. Um, in their paper published in the journal Science Robotics, the group describes how they created their robot and the possible uses for it. Uh, the article is over at Tech Explorer. Bob Yurka from Tech Explorer puts the article together. This is pretty damn cool. <laughs> it, this it looks is like a, pretty crazy. Like 2023, 2024 has come out with a lot of advancements. This thing is a boa constrictor climbing up a tree printing its body to get longer so it can do stuff. This is a, that's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> this might need to go into another show like reality hacker or, uh -huh. um, so uh, no, I, I don't want to announce just yet. Y'all are going to have to come back and, uh, and, um, 
become a, a citizen of own town follow us here on twitch.tv to get the latest news um about own town uh, because uh we have decided well i've decided as mayor watt uh, to launch two more shows uh, but they will probably not kick off um, until the end of february i would like to do it more often but we need to squirrel away time so in their paper published in the journal science robotics the group describes how they created their robot and the possible uses for it and essentially it has uh, a top portion that has a hopper for 3d printing a body and an extruder that grows that body this is insane Philobot has a tube inside its body that feeds the head, which contains a 3D printer uh, ink, a type of plastic, which is, this is probably the goofiest uh, description of what 3D printer ink would be, a type of plastic. So yes, it's a type of plastic. Why did they water it down so much? You know, in the description, the explanation of it? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, so it, the head of it actually rotates itself so that it can print layer after layer. So it okay. prints from the head up. Um, the head then prints in a rotating fashion, coiling body material behind it. In the opposite end, at the rear of the robot, is a base holding the inkwell, a pump, and a power source. Inside the head, along with the printer, are electronics that respond to signals from sensors on an exterior part of the head. Um, input from the sensors is used to control the output of the printer. It is able to speed up or slow its rate of spin and the amount of ink supplied. This allows for controlling the direction of growth. So it actually can act kind of like a vine. And I think that's how they describe it really. So it can actually grow in a particular direction. How creepy do you more. think this would be if you encountered this? <laughs> I don't know. I think it would be freaky. Yeah, you're, you're like, whoa, that's an alien kind of a thing. Um, but it looks neat, honestly. Um, but that's okay. You're going to have to go read the paper. It's published in Science Journal Robotics. Follow the link through Hometown because all roads lead through Hometown. Let's keep going. So the next article is over in the Mobile Channel a year after the toxic de train derailment in Is East Palestine Safe? I'm going to go no. Okay, this is for Ohio, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this story was originally published by Grist. You can follow the link that they have embedded in our news aggregator um, straight away. We don't edit any of this unless there's something catastrophic. So whatever it is that's here is what was provided by our source. In this instance, the source is actually Gizmodo. Um, Eve Andrews from Grist published it over at gizmodo.com, which is a large network of different shows like Deadspin and Jalopnik and Kotaku. Um, Quartz is another um, source for us here, and uh, we aggregate this little snippet and, and, and nothing more. Then we talk about it from our perspective live. We don't read the content beforehand unless it's something that really goes deep into science and we need to like kind of ready ourselves for the depth of the article. Um, but so we I don't say, know, what is that about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of us typically knows more than uh, what's being discussed um, in the article. So at least you know two two anyway so uh it says it looked like starry night it would be beautiful if it weren't so toxic and deadly 
um, a massive explosion from the train. They actually reignited it to burn off all of the toxic chemicals. It was horrible for the area. And yet dipshits were saying that it's fine. Drink the water. I would have sat there and said, you drink the water here. You know, people would throw rocks into the uh, stream because they used um, a coagulant that basically caused the chemicals to drop to the bottom. And then when they threw a stone in it, it would bubble back up and create this noxious sheen yeah that um, makes you think that everything's okay right yeah and i've had uh, people tell me well you can do that with any stream that has sediment and biomass at the bottom and it's really just from the biomass uh, decomposition and i'm like sure if all things were level and it was a natural function sure but east palestine just had a toxic train dump blow up at the end of a railway. No, I don't think it's normal for people to be able to, you know, light a stream (laughs) on fire. So if there hadn't been a construction plan for the bridge that crosses over Leslie run, one of the creeks that runs through the middle of East Palestine, Ohio, Rick Tsai and Randy DeHaven uh, might not have noticed the worst contamination they'd seen in the creek in weeks. So on February 3rd, 2023, a Norfolk Southern train carrying thousands of gallons of toxic chemicals derailed and spilled its contents into the town of East Palestine. And that's really, they, they make it, um, you said Ohio, um, Pennsylvania border is how they're describing it. Right. Yeah. I think it was like right on the border. And right. so the, the area like affects both states right so three days later in an effort to prevent dangerous explosion norfolk southern supervisor supervised a uh, controlled vent and burn of hazardous vinyl chloride which basically rained toxic materials all over the town for miles um and i'm gonna skip down a little bit if i can um so this is what i was talking about Right. Olivia Hawley, 22, and Taylor Goulish, 22, collect water samples from the Leslie Run Creek on February 25th, 2023 in East Palestine. Um, and you can see this oily sheen um, again, right. which if all things were equal, you it wouldn't be a big issue because you could consider it just decomp of biomass from the bottom seeping up. It happens, right? So uh, Tsai got the results back from Eurofins in the middle of September. His sample showed elevated levels of three VOCs, isopropyl benzene, cyclohexane, and methyl cyclohexane, all of which are related to petroleum. And let's just say you don't want to drink it. Um, So I'm going to jump down because there's a lot to this article, um, but it says scientists and public officials are largely making statements based on an analysis of risk of one chemical at a time. We don't have any analysis, any tools or way of judging what's going to happen to people who are exposed to 15 chemicals. You know, that's a good point. I mean, we've seen where people have been kind of like, oh, everything's okay. But I don't think I'd seen that statement made in any other articles we've looked at. So, and the very nature of the pollution generated by the derailment makes those personal experiences highly variable. So you're going to have to look back at this article, but basically different people were impacted uh, differently. 
Um, and, and there's a lot of idiots out there that sit there and go, well, I didn't feel a thing. It's not about you. It's about the individual. There were children there. There were immunocompromised people there. There were elderly there. All of these people have different bio uh, biologies, ge different genetics that might make them predisposed to being, uh, what do you, uh, compromised to a greater or lesser degree. Y'all got to stop thinking so narrow-minded um, and, and isolated. We're a plurality right. of people. Well, so, and also, as it mentions, it could affect somebody's property, but maybe not the house next door or right. because of the way the chemicals flowed. Right. So toxic effects add up um, or synergize, even if the individual chemicals are safe. A professor, uh, Dr. Beatrice Golem, unfortunate, um, a professor of medicine at the University of California, San Diego, who is conducting a study on the toxicity of East Palestine derailment. Two people can be exposed to the same chemical or even the same mix of chemicals and have entirely different reactions based on their genes. Oh, it says it right here and incalculable quantity and uh, mixture of other chemicals they've been exposed to in their life. That's why there are levels of testing for a, a medical treatment. You know, they just don't go, hey, look, it works on mice. And then roll it right. out full steam to everybody. Different chemical trials. I mean, right. not chemical trials. Drug but, trials. Um, yes, thank you. Um, and and so you could have 100 people in a study and 50% of them, there's no reaction. And 50% of them uh, survive and have a better quality of life. Now you have to evaluate the risk. Did there Was there anything else that was a knock-on? And then you find out after six years that the 50 who did survive and weren't made better uh, contracted cancer or something like that. And it's because the medical, the, the treatment actually had some knock-on effect of the genetics and activated some cancer cells. Um, you just don't know. And you can't sit it, sit there. You're sociopathic if you sit there and go, it's only 15 people that are actually dead. You know, you're an idiot. So anyway, the chemicals from the spill and subsequent burn-off seeped into the surrounding region through many different paths, concentrating around some homes while sparing others. Uh, the article is quite long. Um, so is it still, is it safe? No, I don't believe that it is. And it won't be for a long time because the chemicals are actually in the soil. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Let me throw the link into the chat. Um, but here's what has shaken out from this. So the company actually started scraping the surface away and putting new soil and shipping the scraped material to foreign not foreign um out of other state. other you uh, out of state that's probably the better that's the better term um and then it got denied and i actually don't know where it ended up from that point all i was told was that it was denied um the epa right, has not which offered... means they had to dump it somewhere right yep um the epa has offered or performed indoor testing in homes not offered or performed indoor testing in homes since april of 2023 in an interview, the EPA Emergency Response Coordinator, Mark Derno, gave several reasons for that. Testing in February and March did not show dangerous levels of derailment-related VOCs. <laughs> derailment-related VOCs. Those VOCs 
have a short half-life right. and would be expected <laughs> to ventilate out of homes by now and the agency sees testing for the peace of mind of residents as, as not recommended due to the difficulty in distinguishing household VOCs from potentially derailment related VOCs. Mm. All right. Uh, Misty Allison, for one, is not satisfied with those explanations. In September, she uh, co-organized a collaboration with the local nonprofit, The Way Station, to distribute over 70 indoor uh, air monitors to households across the town in homes, churches, and businesses to track VOC levels, volatile organic compounds, by the way, that's what VOC means. Um, they actually are toxic and have reactions to our biology. Um, if the EPA won't test to see if there are still toxic chemicals lingering in their homes, they said, We'll do it ourselves. Most of the monitors showed low levels of VOCs, but some locations scattered throughout town uh, consistently measured in the moderate, bad and very bad ranges. So depending on where the chemicals concentrated, you're going to continue to get these uh, volatile organic compounds. Um, so were they exposed? Absolutely, says Haynes. Uh, if they were anywhere near that derailment, there was an exposure, but the question she's investigating is the duration of the exposure. If chemicals have lingered in indoor spaces or if pockets of chemicals in the soil and water erupted and exposed residents anew. And this is what I was talking about, throwing a rock into a pond and out comes a bubbling um, dumpster fire. Um, and again, they, we go on, this, this article is quite expansive, so. They say it's a lot of money and at time of the press article, 104 million in addition to the 800 million cost of cleanup. So almost a billion dollars, um, a $25 million revitalization of the East Palestine city park, courtesy of the railroad, courtesy, no obligation of the railroad. Kiss my shiny metal ass. By the way, there's already been, um, a derailment, um, since the new year um, yeah, in California. Know. Yeah. They've got plans now for a safety railroad or a railroad safety training center for its employees. Um, well, it's not, <laughs> they should already be trained, but the, the issue is that the people that are working are being pushed beyond their limits for private profit. There's not enough people doing the right job. There's not enough safety to begin with. There's not enough security in the rails. Why did it derail? I don't think they've actually, oh, it was a bearing, a bearing failed. And that's what caused the derailment. I think it was actually caught on a camera on a door doorbell cam. So some of Ferguson's neighbors on her block no longer speak to her since she's been so vocal about the possibility of lasting contamination in her home on the day um, that a politician came to visit East Palestine um, after Ferguson had given a number of interviews, basically she said that her home is no longer livable and then somebody threatened her. Um, it, it, it's quite shocking that people take aside a partisan view in what is a, a human caused natural disaster um, that's going to linger for years and years. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just shocked that people wouldn't stand right, in solidarity. It shouldn't be partisan to want people to be safe. Yeah in their homes and i think i think it amounts to well if i don't acknowledge it anymore then it isn't real and then i can sell my house at a higher profit and leave instead of saying you know hey this is a long-term problem i need to get out or have the federal government buy you out if you can because or the the, the company should be forced to buy them out at 
property value prior to the derailment, they caused right, this. Right, not post-derailment. <laughs> right. It wasn't a natural disaster. There were failures of the, of the uh, safety checks. There wasn't enough maintenance. There wasn't enough monitoring. That bearing shouldn't have failed. Okay, got to keep going. Uh, the last article for today is over in hometown daily samsung smart ring might signal the start of a new wearable era and i say this has a ring of hype smartwatches have long reigned supreme in the wearable world smart rings have hovered around the periphery almost hanging out on a limb somewhere right um but earlier this week samsung ended its unpacked event with a tease of the galaxy ring to the author, not me, over at The Verge, that reads like the company is itching to shake up the wearable world order. I don't think it'll actually function because nobody... A ring is personal and it's sized specifically to you and it has certain functionality and it's actually somewhat gets in the way. Um, Samsung offered a few details about its Galaxy Ring, but it's more proof that 2024 is shaping up to be a year of Aura Ring competitors, Victoria Song, over at The Verge, put the article together. Let me throw this, I failed to throw this into the chat right away, I'm sorry about that. One of these days I'll figure out how to automate that. Um, so like a smart watch, a smart ring would be attached to you and you would be able to do certain functions and it would monitor certain things. Um, you could wear it comfortably 24 hours, it wouldn't take up that much power, it says some folks had unpacked also got to see a prototype with analyst Avi Greengart noting that it's light comes in three finishes and in sizes up to 13. And that right there is one of the reasons why I'm so reluctant to produce a product that is that personal because you need to create a multitude of versions of the exact same thing that fit you. How do you get electronics to fit a size of a ring? without it being so costly, the margin is almost negative, losing money. I guess you just have to be Samsung size, right? Yeah. Sounds a lot like, uh, awful lot like the Aura Ring and Aura knows it. Not long after the Galaxy Ring was announced, Aura CEO Tom Hill sent an unprompted statement to The Verge. Wow, wow. That's the kind of thing where somebody has taken offense and you didn't even name them, right? You didn't call them out yeah. or say anything. You know, you sit there and you say something like, you know, I really don't like Neapolitan ice cream and somebody takes it personally. And yeah, out of the blue, interesting. they egg your car or something. It says with new features released regularly, Aura has the strongest IP portfolio in both hardware and software for the smart ring form factor with 100 granted patents, 270 pending patent applications, and 130 registered trademarks. That's kind of a threat that they better not cross our IP. New players exactly. entering the space. It's basically a slap before it could turn into an actual lawsuit, right? I mean, this is like the yeah, Will Smith. Yeah, this is fascinating to me. <laughs> this is the Will Smith IP slap. Um, <laughs> uh, so if you've never heard of um, uh, what a slap suit is, it's a strategic lawsuit against public participation. You basically slap somebody so that they feel your wrath <laughs> preemptively, really. Um, even though you haven't violated anything, they're like, we're going to leverage our attorneys and, and literally slap you. And usually that's 
deemed unethical and and punted from the case uh, from the court but it still wounds you because you have to hire an attorney and defend yourself anyway new players entering the space is validation for the category and drives us to aim higher to serve our members and community so turned it into a positive but really was aiming both barrels right at samsung quite fascinating so yeah. what do they say it's kind of like hey nobody's talking about you <laughs> <laughs> oh and, and that's one of the th that's really funny because like people sit there and they go you know apple this apple that apple this apple that in comparison to other competitors but the competitors are saying you know we're better than apple and all of this kind of stuff what's really funny about apple is apple doesn't mention any of the competitors exactly Never. <laughs> they don't go we're better than samsung they just say we're the best when you start doing the tit for tat kind of thing comparison of features and you're the one that's comparing against somebody else you're doing parallel marketing you're high wait i never heard about the galaxy ring thanks aura <laughs> and you go and get the the right, one that's in exactly. your ecosystem <laughs> i have the galaxy watch and the galaxy phone and a galaxy note i better get the galaxy ring why do this aura thing mm -hmm. So because there are a few details, the author says it's hard to say how Samsung thinks of the Galaxy Ring within its larger uh, wearable portfolio. What was the thing that we were talking about? It's in the future because we're in the time machine. I think something going on with Samsung and I can't remember it entirely right now. Don't oh. Isn't there some lawsuit or something? Huh. I'm trying I don't to remember. think here. Yeah. The time machine kind of throws me off. Oh, well, there is a video over at the verge, but I'm not going to play it. I'm going to send you all over there. Um, so go and check it out. The, the link is in the show notes. Um, well, it's in the VOD, uh, and, uh, I don't know. We can talk about it another time when it gets released. I don't know if it was, I don't know what it was. Okay. Not a big deal. Anyway. Everybody get back into the party bus and we're going to drive all the way back down Main Street. It's kind of like a pub crawl here um, when you visit Omtown and you're watching Omtown Daily News or uh, Reality Hacker or the Continuity Report or the two new ones because we aggregate news, but then we consolidate it into a news show and we walk downtown talking about the things you know, on your left is going to be. Wait, did that? Is that? Yeah, that's my left is your, I don't know, this, this little box that I'm in really messes with my head. Which way am I facing? Up is down, forward is backward, left is right. It's basically Willy Wonka up in here. All right, well, we're done. I'm Marwat. That's hometown.com. Up there is the sentient AI that is trying to get me to not ramble about stuff, but too late. Fail. <laughs> Fail. Um, good night, hometown citizens. Be sure to tune in shortly so that you can see the current uh, hometown daily episode. And then after that, we'll have continuity report. So I think we're going to do the show in about 15 minutes. So if you're hanging out in chat or um, you stumble in here later, well, the other VOD's probably going to be there. So see you in a few. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.